those of you who follow me closely online know that I've put together a video series. And I wanted to share some thoughts from the series with you, the podcast listener. It takes a lot of gumption to jumpstart your life after years of being stuck in the mundane. No doubt that's why a lot of us have, at one time or another, chosen to stay put in jobs or circumstances that were less than ideal. Many of us have battled with our own limited perception of what we're capable of, and that's kept us anchored to our increasingly uncomfortable desk chairs. It's one thing to doubt that things will go your way based on past experiences. Believe me, that's something I do all the time. But I think what holds people back more than anything else is doubting your own talents and abilities. I call this the 900-pound gorilla of self-doubt, and this is something that I struggle with, and that's why I wanted to share it with you. We as people simply buy into the lie that we can't do something that, in truth, we're completely capable of doing. We allow the figurative gorilla to pin us down so that we're imprisoned within our current habitat. There's an entire world out there just waiting to be explored, and until you tackle the gorilla, you'll never be able to discover what you were created to do. When you're struggling with the 900-pound gorilla of self-doubt, it may be time to feed a little bit of your ego, to dare to push beyond your surroundings and other people's lowered expectations. That's how you can begin to press on through the obstacles and ask, hey, why not me? Unfortunately, self-doubt is something we must wrestle with every day, even after we've notched a few accomplishments under our belt. This is something I came to realize in my own experience. When you branch out on your own and attempt to do the things you were created to do, it doesn't take long for the confidence and charisma that you use to catapult you forward to become your own worst enemy. For the record, working in real estate is not my dream, but it is the mechanism I've chosen to help realize my dream. And early on in my journey, I gained a lot of attention and received a lot of positive feedback in regards to my approach to real estate. Since I was doing things differently than the masses, it seemed that growing my real estate business would be easy-peasy, lemon-cheesy. And that's when I came back to earth, maybe even six feet under the earth, to be honest with you. I thought that cleverness and machismo were enough to be successful. I was wrong. Weeks without a real estate commission check turned into a few months. And on top of that, I was watching my safety net trickle away. I now know... It was because I had not applied myself to increasing my knowledge base and building a platform and consistent message for my business. Without these critical elements, I had no infrastructure in place that would keep me afloat during those dry times in the real estate market. Let's be realistic. There are things you don't know how to do or attributes you may not be gifted with. You're bound to hit some rough patches and things won't always go your way. That's when feelings of inadequacy, inability, and doubt start to creep back in and strangle the motivation you had when you first started out. You start to question whether you can achieve big things when you fail in the little things. Difficult circumstances can easily take our eyes off of the destination and focus them on our shortcomings. That's what happened to me. I started to look around at other people in my industry as they started to gain momentum and have success. And subtly... Ever so slightly, I started to compromise my core values and my beliefs to try to be more like them. I started to emulate rather than innovate. That stupid gorilla. When you start to doubt your own skills, you begin to compare yourself to others and mold yourself into their image instead of using your unique God-given abilities. If I think about it, I'm not trying to accomplish what those other agents are trying to accomplish. I'm trying to build a business that funds the pursuit of my dream. 
They just want to be good real estate agents, and that's fine. We're on different paths. When we finally decide to try something we've never done before, we tend to set goals that are either very self-centered or comparing ourselves with other people. And then when we don't achieve them, doubt starts to creep in. However, when we focus on helping others, we are actually able to be a better version of ourselves because we're no longer focusing on our own flaws and failures. In other words, if you start to think about the impact you can have in the lives of others, then the eyes are off of you and you can effectively eliminate self-doubt. Have you ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk? Google him. You won't be disappointed. Gary Vaynerchuk is someone I really get a lot of great information from in terms of being an entrepreneur. When asked if you could bestow one quality to every person, which one would it be? He responds, self-awareness. And one of the things that he repeats over and over again is to stop wasting time trying to improve the areas you're weak in and start doubling down on your strengths. In other words, we need to trade in self-doubt for self-awareness. Don't allow your ever-present shortcomings to hinder you from achieving great results in your areas of strength. Start finding ways to use the skills you already have to help others achieve their goals and you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish with little room left for self-doubt. If you want to tackle self-doubt, then you need to wake up every morning and commit to the following mission statement. I will not focus on myself and my inadequacy. Instead, I'll focus using every ounce of strength that I have and every second of time that I have to do the most good in the lives of those around me. Take that hour that you would typically spend saying, I can't, and make it the hour of, I can when you spend your time doing for others, there's no time left to doubt your own ability. Knowing who you are is really important, but we can't allow our limited perception of what we can achieve hinder us from moving forward. Anything you can do to take your eyes off of your shortcomings and put them on other people's needs will help you destroy self-doubt in your life. Now, if there are shortcomings and there are things that you're unclear about, I've talked about it before, educating yourself. One of the main ways that you can educate yourself, which is what I talked about back in episode 54, is by reading. And I don't mean reading your newsfeed or clickbait articles. I mean good old-fashioned books. When you were a kid, no doubt you were a part of the Book It program. What a great idea. Encourage kids to read by offering them a free personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah, pan pizza. That was a great incentive for this husky 10-year-old. And while I loved feeding my face with greasy pan-baked deliciousness, I did not love feeding my mind. Now, to say that I did not love reading in school is putting it rather mildly. It was probably because someone was telling me I had to, but I simply hated reading. But the interesting thing was, once I was no longer being forced to read because it would be on the test, I realized that there was now a vacuum in my life. I began to hunger and thirst for information beyond what was regularly shoved down my throat in school. I remember the moment I began to love reading. I was tasked with reading the book April Morning by Howard Fast. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it. It was the first time in my life where I honestly can say that I was wrapped up in a story and transported to another time and place. 
I had no idea that reading could do that. Now, (laughs) this may seem silly to those of you who love to read, but for someone like me, it was a revelation. What started with my April morning experience was later trumped by the experience that officially turned me into an avid reader. I was about 21 years old, and my wife recommended that I read the Tripods trilogy by John Christopher. It was a young adult book series that she read growing up, and I was looking for something easy to read while we were on vacation. I couldn't put the books down. I was hooked. These books actually inspired me to write a song, which was then featured on the No Longer album, my band, called A New Chairman. Here's a sample. I'm still holding out hope that they'll make a feature film adaptation and I can submit the song to be featured on the soundtrack. I guess those dreams of being a rock star still haven't been put to bed quite yet. Anyway, my love of fiction soon grew into a love of all kinds of literature. I've read biographies, books on business, marketing, theology, personal development, careers, music, you name it. I still mix in some fiction every third book or so to keep the creative synapses firing. It seems my genre of choice is political action thriller. Who knew? I honestly believe that in the last five years, I've learned more about myself and the world at large by reading than I ever did in a classroom. That may also be the result of having read more books during that time than I had in my previous 25 years of being able to read. What I've discovered about reading is that it allows you to learn the way your mind works. Many people would rather be told what to think by some professor, guru, or by the media, but very few actually take the time to read in order to broaden their horizons. When I'm reading a book, the content of that book shapes my frame of mind for the entire duration of the book. I think about it whenever I'm not reading it, and I cannot wait to get a spare second to poke my nose in it again. Many of us desperately need to rediscover the lost art of reading if we're going to have any hope for the world. In a world of fake news, alternative facts, media bias, and social media reposters, we can easily become the victim of what many call the dumbing down of America. If this generation spent as much time staring at books as they did staring at their phones, then I believe we would be in a much better position than we are currently. But the problem is that reading a book takes the focus off of us and puts it on someone else. Their words, their views. I'm guilty of this myself, but... Many people take more joy in selecting the appropriate filter when posting pictures of their favorite books on Instagram than actually reading the books themselves. I recently received an email from a famous author named Ryan Holiday. He has a recommended reading list that he sends out once a month, and it's free to subscribe. You can go to ryanholiday.net. He opened the email like this. If you've been distressed by the recent political situation, whatever side you happen to be on, here's a little trick I've come up with. Whenever you start to feel stressed, upset, depressed, confused, worried, put down your phone. Step away from the television or computer and pick up a book. Ideally, pick up a very old book. There was a wonderful New York Times article last week from Alexis Ko where she discussed the clarity that comes from reading old presidential biographies. It reminds you, things have always been bad. We've always been worried, and hey, occasionally we turn out to be totally wrong about someone. I couldn't agree more. We need to put down our phones and pick up a book if we have any hopes of surviving in this world. But the downside of our social media culture is that if you see something that bums you out or tries to make you think, then you can just keep scrolling. 
or swipe left or right. But if you are investing time in reading a book, then you come face to face with something that you can't ignore and it should make you think. And here's where my views on reading and education converge. I believe that you can learn more by reading and implementing than you can from going to college. Thankfully, my children inherited their mother's love of reading. I have to tell them not to bring books to the dinner table, otherwise they'll let their food get cold. It's incredible, really. Their vocabulary is tremendous. They're excellent students. But their love of reading came first. And I think it's one of the reasons they do so well in school and not the other way around. And even if they decide to pursue a path that requires that they get a college education, I believe that it's their love of reading that will ultimately allow them to succeed. I know that even after getting a degree in whatever field they choose, they will continue to read and learn because it's in their DNA. When people learn about me and see firsthand that I know how to produce a podcast, edit audio and video, write and produce music, sing and act, do web and graphic design, and write prolifically, they always ask me what I went to school for. My answer? A high school diploma. Seriously, even though I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, I'd already worked in radio for two years up to that point with nothing but on-the-job training to get me started. I can honestly say that everything I've accomplished in the last 10 years of my life, I learned by reading and implementing on my own and on the job. For example, I wanted to start this podcast, so I typed into Google, how do you start a podcast? I read everything I could find about the subject, and then, as if by some miracle, I started a podcast, because I can read, and I can implement. I know how to cook. Some of it is naturally giftedness from my Italian background. I'm amazed that people say they don't know how to cook. There are recipes. If you can read, and you can follow instructions, you can cook. It's as simple as that. The biggest obstacle people need to overcome is their inability to execute on an idea because they think it's too hard, or, or even worse, they think they need someone else's permission to do it. You can't say something is impossible or that you're incapable if you refuse to educate yourself and take advantage of the resources that are available to you. Do you know that education is free for everyone already? If you put in the work, in this day and age, we have endless resources at our fingertips. Literally anything that you want to know is available to you for free or almost free. If you have the internet, all the more so. But just think about the library. In most cases, you can simply request any book in their vast archive of literature, and they'll have it transferred to your local library. At least that's the case for my library system in the county that I live in. Anything you want to know, you can learn on your own by reading. You don't need to go back to school. Even MIT has posted some of their courses online for free. Use the money you would spend on a college education and invest in a library of books that could change your life. In my opinion, people also need to expand their worldview beyond just their own point of view. I think that reading only things you agree with can stunt your overall education on any particular topic. And if your number one source of information is social media, then you're an imbecile. Plain and simple. If you want to make a difference in someone's life, then posting a well-crafted argument on Facebook will not accomplish that. Instead, maybe give them your favorite book as a gift. But you may say I'm a dreamer. I'm living in a dream world. 
Instead, my conservative friends will continue to bash all liberal thinkers, and my liberal friends will continue to bash all conservative thinkers. Meanwhile, I sit back with a bag of popcorn and watch the fireworks. How about you stop labeling other people and hiding behind your online persona and actually engage in a face-to-face discussion about the merits or disadvantages of a particular stance? I challenge you. In fact, I dare you. No matter what side you're on, pick up a copy of The Opposing View's most popular written work and read it. You won't do it. And that's the problem. Most people don't read and educate themselves on all sides of an argument for fear of being proven wrong. I'm talking to you liberals as much as I'm talking to you conservatives. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about worldviews. The fact of the matter is that every article written by every person in the world is written from their worldview. Bias abounds. You cannot escape it. That's why you need to read everything you can get your hands on about a specific topic before you start pontificating about the merits of one position or another. Read people you agree and disagree with. You may get incredibly frustrated, but this will help you to formulate your own opinion on something and develop a bulletproof defense of your views. Reading can change your life and maybe even the world if you would let it. If you want to remain ignorant, then ignore everything I've just said on this podcast. But if you want to change your life, other people's minds, and maybe even the world, then it's time to put down your electronic devices and explore the written word. Pablo Picasso says, Only put off until tomorrow what you were willing to die having left undone. Now, I should have known that when I decided to discuss the topic of procrastination that I would do just that. Procrastinate. When I sat down to do this podcast, I found myself finding every excuse not to talk about procrastination. I also struggled to focus on what I wanted to say about the topic. And that's what happens to everyone. We waste time thinking about doing something instead of just getting it done. I think school teaches us to be expert procrastinators. We know how long we have to get a paper or project done, and at first it seems so daunting that we wait until the last possible minute to do it. We lose sleep the night before the book report is due, trying to put together something half-coherent in hopes of skating by with a C. This is counterproductive, and yet all humans are prone to this kind of procrastination. The reason I personally procrastinated is that it seemed incredibly daunting. How could I talk about this topic when I struggle with it myself? And how can I bring value to other people when I am still battling? The stakes seem too high were I not to come up with the very best thoughts on the matter. What made me do it? Well, I had a schedule to keep. I have a required completion date in place, and even though I missed it by a few hours, I still owed it to my listeners to get this episode out. I had no choice. In other words, even if no one cares or even listens to this podcast, I made a promise to myself to finish what I'd started by a certain date. So I tried to prioritize it the best that I could. And that's really how we can all defeat procrastination in our own lives. By prioritizing the things that are truly important to us and to our quest of changing our life and the lives of those around us.
Time is the most precious commodity we have, yet many of us seem to think that other people have more of it than we do. That's why we feel comfortable making the excuse, I didn't or I don't have time, when explaining why we haven't started a project or implemented a strategy to achieve a lifelong goal. But everyone has the same 24-hour day, those who are pursuing their dreams and those who aren't. The difference between those two groups of people is that one group has prioritized what is important to them and the other has chosen to fill up their time with lesser things. Or worse, they've chosen to procrastinate. Dreams require hard work. They require a dedication of our three T's, our time, talent, and maybe even our treasure. Many people are happy to use the three T's on things that have no positive or lasting effect in their own life or in the lives of others. But if we want to make our dreams a reality, we first need to get our priorities in order. If you're sitting around wondering why your life hasn't changed in the last year, no doubt it's because last year at this time, you had the same thought and still did nothing about it. You wanted to write a book, but you've never put a pen to paper. You wanted to run a marathon, but you kept stuffing your face with junk food and sitting on your couch watching Netflix. You swore that you'd be further ahead in your career or in a better job entirely, but you didn't even update your resume. It's not because you didn't have enough time. It's because you chose to fill up your time with things that distracted you from your goal rather than things that would help you achieve it. That's it, period. But guess what? There is hope. There is still today. There's still an opportunity for you to make a new priority list. It's time to be ruthless in your pursuit of the ultimate goal, even if it means being brutally honest with yourself and how you spend your time. Don't wait till tomorrow to start being the person that God created you to be. There's a famous quote that floats around on the internet that says, a year from now, you'll wish you started today. So why don't you? No doubt there's something that you've always wanted to do. What have you done recently to get you one step closer to that thing becoming a reality? If the answer is nothing, then you need to fix that. Now. If your schedule is full, then write out everything you've committed to and see if it's worth keeping around if it means missing out on what you were made to do. How you choose to spend your time shows the world what you truly value in life. For those of you who have a job that just sucks the life out of you, I've been there, believe me. You're probably saying that you have nothing left to give any project or hobby by the time you get home at the end of the day. All the more reason to figure out how you can begin pursuing your passion. I find that the more time I make for things I am truly passionate about, the more effective I can be in my boring day job. No matter whether you're looking to better your career situation or merely just regain some sanity in your life, you can only accomplish those things by outlining your priorities and blocking out the time necessary for each item accordingly. You may find out how much you can really accomplish when your time is not being wasted or misused. By rewriting your calendar, you may just end up rewriting your destiny. Gary Keller said, Taking complete ownership of your outcomes by holding no one but yourself responsible for them is the most powerful thing you can do to drive your success. Up till now, I've always tried my best to encourage people who feel stuck to take some baby steps toward pursuing their dream. That's what this podcast is about, and that's what I often write about on my blog. I've allowed you to examine my life in a rather voyeuristic manner, as I share story after story of my mistakes, failures, and moderate successes. I'm pretty open about my struggles when asked, and sometimes even when I'm not asked. And that's why it's been comfortable for you to listen to this podcast and kind of watch me from afar. 
This guy's just like me, you may even tell yourself. But I have some bad news for you. There comes a point in every relationship when a gauntlet must be dropped. Consider this podcast our Define the Relationship Conversation. I know there are a lot of people who've read my blog posts and have been encouraged to begin implementing new strategies to discover how they're uniquely positioned to change the world. And what I mean by that is discovering what each individual is created to do in order to improve their overall outlook on life and the lives of those around them. Now, I use the word world in a more intimate way than describing the entire planet, kind of like saying your own little world. But eventually, the rubber has to meet the road. At some point, the training wheels need to come off and you can't be looking over your shoulder for mom and dad to be holding onto your bike. I find that some people really like to imagine what it'd be like to improve their situation or begin pursuing their passion, but very few have the guts to actually do it. They read self-improvement books, listen to podcasts like this one, watch motivational videos on YouTube and say, someday, as they look off into the distance. For some reason, there's still a glass ceiling for you and you're afraid to acknowledge the truth of the situation. The truth is, you are the architect who designed that glass ceiling. No one's been holding you back. You simply bought the lie that other people had that much power over what you do. I know what you're probably thinking. Don't tell me. You're not where you want to be because something or someone got in the way. You had all the tools, all the potential in the world, and then nothing went according to plan. Instead, you now find yourself with years wasted and your internal clock tick, tick, ticking away. But it's not your fault, right? Well, in one sense, I admit you're right. Whatever happened to you back then may not have been your fault. And at the time, it was probably best to deal with that circumstance head on and put your dreams on hold, albeit temporarily. But I'm sorry, not sorry, to tell you that allowing that event or choice to determine your path forward in the here and now is your fault. Allowing things you cannot control to have control over you will make everything within your control seem too difficult to do. And that's why you haven't done it. Jeff, you don't understand, you are no doubt saying to yourself. But I can't hear you. This is a podcast and it's very one-sided. But if that's what you're saying... I can tell you that those are excuses. You're comfortable playing the victim because you then have a built-in excuse for things not going your way. When things don't go your way, we're faced with two options. Either take ownership of the outcome, learn from the experience, and move forward, or sit and complain about the raw deal that you received. So many people would rather finger point than actually be honest with themselves and do the hard work of identifying the root cause of our problems. It's time to stop complaining and to take ownership. Now, I used to work with people who preferred complaining about the hand they'd been dealt. There was always some reason why they weren't where they wanted to be. But they themselves were never the reason. I would often ask them, what are you doing to change it? They never had a response. Though most people know the answer to that question, even if it pains them to admit it. Nothing. Well, not nothing. They are doing something about it. They're complaining. Because for most people, complaining is easier to deal with than the reality of their situation. They exhaust themselves looking for anyone who will listen to their sob story instead of taking that time to make some real changes to their life. Now, before you start lighting torches and collecting pitchforks, let me assure you that I was, and sometimes still am, a complainer. I made excuses for myself. I cut myself all the slack in the world while not leaving any for anyone else. My daily bread was self-pity and misery. Thankfully, 
God parted the Red Sea of depression and discontentment and revealed to me a way through the stormy seas. But the funny thing is, even though he made a way, I still was the one responsible for recognizing my role in the equation. I needed to take that first step. Sure, I felt a gentle nudge toward the precipice of what used to be a raging ocean, but all I could see was dry land before me and walls of water on either side of me. Was I going to complain because this journey was too hard? Or was I going to step out in faith and own the outcome through both figurative and literal hell or high water? You can be one of two things, a complainer or an owner. But you can't be both. Jim Rohn, who's a noted motivational speaker, said, If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, then you'll find an excuse. To drive the point home further, the story of the children of Israel's exodus from Egypt has some interesting insights for us today. Now, if you're not religious, then I ask you to indulge me for just a moment. After God led his people out of Egypt, see the Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston, or Prince of Egypt, they began to complain. Even though God had promised them deliverance and to guide them into the promised land, they still complained. When Israel sent 12 spies to scout out the promised land, 10 of them came back and complained, saying that they should return to Egypt. Only two of the spies believed God's promise that the land was rightfully theirs. I'm sure they were afraid of the giants and the battles ahead, but they wanted to take ownership of the outcome. Instead, the ten spies brought a bad report to the people and convinced them to complain against Moses and God. And as a result, they did not enter the promised land and they ultimately died in the wilderness. Now, this was not intended to be a Sunday school lesson, nor was it probably even the best exposition of the biblical text. However, in this story, I see a direct correlation between the benefits of taking ownership and the danger of complaining. Let me wrap up my thoughts with a sobering reminder. Just because you decided to take ownership of your decisions doesn't necessarily mean you'll always make the right ones. It also doesn't mean that things will always work out the way you'd hoped. Be forewarned, when you take ownership of and accountability for your actions, then you forfeit your right to complain about the outcome. Do you have the guts to take the leap into the unknown? Or do you prefer having the option to whine and moan about how hard life is? I'm not trying to peer pressure you into doing something that you don't want to do. After coming this far, you may realize that things are not as bad as you once thought. And to that I say, great, maybe you just needed to see that the grass isn't always greener. But I also say that if you choose to do nothing to change your situation, then you need to stop complaining about it. Right now. Otherwise, you'll spend your life wandering aimlessly, only to die in the wilderness of lost hopes and dreams. In closing, I want to let you know that you have been given a unique purpose by your creator. There are certain things hardwired within you that maybe you have allowed to lay dormant for a long time. Until now, you've always brushed them aside, made excuses, or tried to find other people to blame for those things not coming to fruition in your life. After listening to a few of my podcasts, you may finally feel like you're ready to put your doubts, fears, and failures aside. Whatever it is that's kept your feet shackled or tied you down. And my prayer is that by listening to my stories, you'll discover your story and identify the things that are most important to you. You may be right at the precipice of everything you've wanted to do with your life. It's time to take a leap of faith. Come on in. The water's fine. Thanks a lot for listening to the Acting Realtor podcast. You can get in touch with me if you would like to leave a comment. Jeff, G-E-O-F-F 
at actingrealtor.com. I encourage you to go to actingrealtor.com. If you check out my blog, you will see that I recently launched a vlog, a video blog called Acting Realtor TV. You can see what it's like for me as I try to support my family through real estate, through various income streams, while also pursuing my dream of acting full time. Until next time, I encourage you to get out there, chase your dreams, but keep your feet firmly planted on the ground. Godspeed. Godspeed.